Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. It's early June, and as we mentioned in our last episode, we've seen planters rolling, rolling, rolling to get this season's crop in the ground. But it seems more recently, that rolling has changed to raining, raining, raining across a good portion of the cotton belt. With as much moisture, whether it's welcome or not, uh, whipping around the belt, it's probably a good time to talk about weather and what may be ahead for us as we move into the summer storm season. So that's what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to share those details with you in just a few minutes. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles. Frank, Seemed like the rain let up for a few weeks to help with planting, but we seem to be back in that every other day storm pattern here in the Mid-South. Uh, what are you hearing and seeing from the Southeast? Southeast has been drier. Uh, they, they've gotten some rains over the weekend, I think, and, but it's, again, it's been kind of spotty. Um, down here in Central Florida, we, I had a, a big rain at, at where I live about a couple, three inches on Friday afternoon, but again, you know, 10 miles down the road, it was uh, bone dry. So rains are, rains are falling, but they're not widespread at this point. Well, I think as, as, as you can tell, weather is going to be our subject of the day. And joining us today again in our virtual studio is one of our more popular guests from 2020, uh, Mr. Mike Boylan, who's better known to farmers and other weather watchers as the man behind Mike's weather page. He joined us last year to talk about hurricane season, and we want to catch up with him again early in the season this year to talk about current weather projections, as well as the 2021 hurricane season, which has officially just begun. Now, Mike can be lively and a bit colorful, so uh, we hope you'll stay tuned for that discussion coming up in this, the 97th episode of the Cotton Companion. But first, Frank has a quick look at some recent news from across the Cotton Belt. Well, we just had the latest USDA crop progress report uh, come out on June 6th, and it showed growers continue to plant on a furious pace to finish as calendar insurance deadlines loom. The report showed that 71% of the U.S. cotton crop has now been planted, up 7% from a week ago, and about six percentage points below the five-year average for early June. In all, 10 cotton producing states are reporting planting totals between 90% to 100% complete, all ahead of their respective five-year averages. The biggest percentage increase came from Kansas, up 23%, Louisiana, up 14%, and North Carolina and Virginia, both up 13%. Uh, We're starting to see squares in the field. Squaring is now reported in 9% of the crop. With Arizona, Texas, Tennessee, and Georgia continuing to lead the way. Crop conditions are improved this week with 44% of the U.S. crop rated good to excellent, 39% fair, and only 15% rated poor to very poor. Moving on to crop insurance, cotton producers have, have crop insurance coverage through USDA Risk Management Agency approved insurance provider are eligible for a credit on their insurance premium under the newly announced pandemic cover crop program if they planted a cover crop during the 2021 crop year. The maximum premium support is $5 per acre and will be paid on the acre acreage of cover crops planted on eligible insured acres with the benefit cap at the full premium amount. 
endorsements to underlying coverage such as whole farm revenue pr protection enhanced coverage option hurricane insurance protection win index stacks and supplemental coverage options are prohibited from gaining additional premium support for producers who purchase stacks as a standalone policy are eligible for five dollars per acre premium credit for eligibility producers must report their cover crop acres on the FSA 578 acreage report by June 15th. Producers will not receive a direct payment. Producers will adjust premiums accordingly when calculating total billing amounts due. More information is, is in the Pandemic Cover Crop Program Q&A document that can be found online at farmers.gov. And one last note, we need some more Cotton Kids photos as we head into the late summer and fall issues of Cotton Grower Magazine. Uh, our industry is blessed with beautiful children and we'd like to thank you all have contributed uh, photos over the years. And we need some more to fill the pages of the magazine. To find out how to get your photos to us, just check the instructions on the Cotton Kids page in any edition of Cotton Grower Magazine. Sounds good. Thanks, Frank. and. Uh... While you have the microphone, why don't you go ahead and introduce today's guest. As promised, we're going to talk about the weather today, one of farming's favorite topics. Joining us again in our virtual studio is Mike Boylan, the man and the legend behind Mike's weather page. Mike, thanks for joining us again today. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for having me. And I don't know about legend yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still working on legendary status. There you go. Well, tell us what you've been up to since we chatted last. Well, you know, it was a busy season last year. Uh, it, it, pe people, I think, got into hurricane hangover. Um, and, and so, you know, I know we're going to talk about now, but it seems like toward the end of the season last year, everybody was just done with hurricanes. Uh, we just you know, went into the Greek alphabet, uh, you know, crazy record season. Uh, one of the last storms to hit was here at home, Ada, and I was out chasing in it. Almost zero press locally. It was, you know, in November. Nobody wanted to talk about it. We ended up having over a thousand homes uh, flooded because of surge. Um, it was, and it was only 60 miles off our coast. Uh, the people were, I think everybody's just done talking about it. You know, it was like, uh, you know, <laughs> so we, you know, it definitely was a crazy year. Uh, people, people uh, burned out of, of the tropics, uh, but I'm ready to go. I, you know, we got a new season and, uh, Things are pointing to another kind of busy season. Speaking of that, we've got a little activity in the Gulf. What, what's your thoughts on how that's uh, shaping up? Well, it's it's interesting. We got a, you know we got the NHC marked a couple uh, spots now, a couple tropical waves. And for our you know our neck of the woods, early season tropics usually get going in the Caribbean Gulf. Um, we get uh, a situation called a Central American gyre, they call it, which is just a basic general low pressure area down in uh, Central America. And they sometimes can create like a big, just a big juicy uh, area that moves northward. Now, whether or not they develop, sometimes they're too broad a circulation. And uh, we're seeing models hinting that, you know, middle part of next week, the week, you know, leading up to Father's Day weekend, we could see a little bit of tropical brewing going on up towards Texas, Louisiana, even as far as the Florida Panhandle. Um, I, I, so it's it's definitely, I'm watching it historically. It's a spot. We got an enhanced stage of the MJO, which has really turned out to be a big player with tropical development. 
Um, and, you know, we got tropical waves, which have kind of started earlier this year. So I'm watching that close. You know, it's still 10 days out, which is the forecasting voodoo. Most of your professionals won't touch anything past five days. But um, I think there's a legitimate shot. We'll at least see a tropical moisture feeding up uh, close to the holiday. Uh, what well, is a holiday if you're a dad? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Father's Day weekend, you know. Well, you know, it, for the growers in the Alabama and Georgia and those places uh, in North Florida, could they perhaps see some rain out of this, if anything? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, we're going to be in a dry spell at the end of this week um, leading up to the weekend. So we have a little break uh, as far as coastal areas go, but this definitely could bring you know yesterday's models you know they flip-flop and this is the this is the time of the year that uh, a lot of knee-jerk reactions happen like yesterday's modeling was very uh, supportive of something heading up straight to the gulf even kind of touching the peninsula of florida overnight models a lot of them are back down and it shifted a little bit to the west so now all of a sudden you get the ones saying ah, i told you so so you i don't make knee-jerk reactions i i see the patterns there and these wider uh or uh Central American gyro systems could produce rain way outside the, the center. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely gonna be, a, if, if, if nothing comes tropical out of it, we're gonna see en enhanced rain chances middle week to the end of the week, uh, next week. Definitely looking like Texas, Louisiana, uh, stretching into Mississippi and the Florida Panhandle. So th those are the places to be watching. Uh, those are the places that already, except for the, the East Coast, that Alabama, Georgia area, those are the ones that, that already have moisture sitting on the ground right now. As, as I sit here looking out the window at the moment. No, we've had, we've had these systems just hang around. Uh, we got flood chances, you know, all week this week, um, hitting that same neck of the woods. It's just been nonstop, you know, these, these, these little dips in the jet come across Texas and, and they don't really make it south and they just sit there and uh, bring these big deluges of rain. Yeah, it's interesting. Of course, we've been, we started this, this planting season, uh, which has been going on, starting in South Texas back in, in early March, uh, you know, when Texas, most of Texas was sitting in that, in the drought conditions, you know, a lot of oranges, a lot of browns, a lot of dark reds on, on the drought map. And that has drastically changed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. And that, that whole drought system seems to have shifted west. When you, when you look at, at, at a map and, 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 and see what uh, those situations are, what, uh, what's gonna happen on that west coast area right now? Any, any ideas? Well, they're they're just they're in this long range pattern. It just seems like that if they don't get these winter, you know, snow events uh, that feed these lakes and stuff. I mean, they're already scared to death. You know, some of these lakes, they're evacuating boat boats um, because they're already seeing they've kind of missed their rainy season. Uh, and you're right. I mean, from pretty much the Texas got out of that drought, but West, uh, West Texas all the way to California, you know, it doesn't look like they have any, any end in sight with their drought situation. Um, and it's been that way for years. It's like they're stuck in this pattern of um, rains, you know, and they, they feed off a lot of the Pacific storms that come in. But like I said, those are usually wintertime storms. And now that we're entering um, this summertime pattern, they're, they're, they've lost that, the winter um, melt. I think that's what they call it. Um, so it doesn't look good. I mean, the, the surprising spot on the drought map is Eastern Carolina's uh, that neck of the woods has been in, in South Florida, believe it or not. I but I mean, Mother Nature definitely works its way out in, in Florida. Um, Eastern Carolina with this high pressure, you know, we got a pretty strong high pressure locked in over Bermuda. And it's kept things a little more dry here in the south. And uh, and there is chitter chatter back to hurricanes. I haven't really seen good forecasts for high, Bermuda high pressures. 
But like last year, the high pressure was was situated a little bit more to the west, enabling, you know, more storms to make their way into the Gulf region, kind of missing the Carolinas. And uh, if we're stuck in that pattern again this year, again, you know, Florida Peninsula into the Gulf could see more tropical than the East Coast because the high pressure system basically blocks and increases drought. And, and there's places, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina now inching, um, inching into what do they call that actually severe drought D2 now. So that's kind of uncommon for that neck of the woods. Well, looking ahead, uh, you know, as, as hurricane season has officially begun, and I say that with air quotes, how many, how many storms? I, I looked at the list the other day. The National Hurricane Center has got, what, 21 names lined up for this year? Yeah, they, uh, you mean total names in general or prediction? Well, you know, the, just the names on their list for, for names. Yeah, they, 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 uh, one thing about the names, which I, it took me a while to learn, is they, they rotate them every six years. So you'll get, a, um, like 2021 storms will be repeated in 2027. Uh, so they, uh, you know, that, they, they stop at Wanda this year. And um, they're expecting, like all the official forecasts for this season. Um, and I, I was never really a long range forecast like believer and when they hyped up the season but i really believe now what i've seen the last few years is you you have x amount of storms on average over 100 plus years and there's only a few factors that really influence storms and it's it's things like el nino uh, water temperatures place uh placement of the bermuda high african rains well this year all those little factors are kind of pointing into favorable conditions so let's say you have average of 20 storms. Well, you say, okay, well, everything's lining up, so we're going to have above average. So all the all the modeling this year predicts above average. Um, you know, whether or not they make landfall or they're, you know, we already had Anna, which was out there by Bermuda and didn't affect anybody. So um, people get wrapped up sometimes with the names and, and they don't realize it only takes one, you know, um, and that's the key. But I do believe we're going to see above average because of, the water temperatures are hotter and, and we're going to be back into a La Nina pattern later in the season, which promotes a, a, a more stable environment leading into like September, October, November. And, you know, October has been famous in the wrong reasons for a lot of major storms over the years. So um, sounds like the season's over, but actually October is more most recent with Michael, you know, um, can have some can have big ones. Yeah, we'd love to have a calm October. Yeah, October. And I understand the uh, the confusion. We're, there's no Greek names this year. No, they that was a weird. That came out of nowhere. They they uh, they they bashed the Greeks. Or they took them off the list. And and I've never heard an official reason, but they actually what I heard the most is they thought it it, it caused confusion with the public. Like the confusion, or the people didn't take it serious enough. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they said. It was confusing. And now they have, I think they call it an alternate list. They actually call it a um, alternate list of names that they're going to go to. So after Wanda, uh, this year, like the next name on the list is Bill. We got some pretty <laughs> kind of one syllable, easy, easy to pronounce names this year. Uh, but we are getting into some um, little harder words if we get in that alternate list. <laughs> they're not Greek, but. Yeah, this this is the blue blue collar hurricanes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We need a Bubba and Fred. <laughs> well, you know, talking about we talked a little bit about this season, uh, what you're looking at just, but and you mentioned last season the marathon that it was. Uh, talk a little bit about last season and how those conditions that you mentioned 
compared to this year? Uh, is the, is is there as favorable a setup? Uh, I think we're we were a little more stronger La Nina pattern. La Nina pattern means that the Pacific waters are cooler, which produces less shear in the Atlantic side. So we had a stronger uh, La Nina setup last season. And um, that enabled a little more storms to develop here. And, and also, we started the season a little earlier last year. We were, we were already at Cristobal last year at this time that actually hit the upper gulf. Um, and I, the water temperature started out a little warmer last season at this time. Um, so that that's just slowing the beginning of the season a little bit. Um, you know, water temperatures can can increase really quick overnight. So it's 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 just more of a temporary setback for development and um we really don't look at the cape verde season uh, until maybe the end of july you know big news this week there's a huge dust outbreak from africa you can see it on all the satellites i mean that's a, it's an amazing phenomenon that happens where we get these dust storms in africa and that that's that dust actually settles in the middle atmosphere you can see it on satellite but that dust uh particles in the air actually dries the atmosphere up and you it, it dries the skies out and you got to have a certain amount of relative humidity in order to have thunderstorms you know brew especially middle atmosphere so the dust chokes uh early season um you know development and sometimes what i've seen over the years too is you get a lot of dust outbreaks it kind of cools the atlantic waters a little bit longer it's like a like a blanket uh, so it, it it just kind of delays the start a little bit you know june and july are really weird because We'll, we'll get like maybe one system in May and June. Everybody thinks it's going to be a busy season. Then we get this big lull until like maybe July. And everybody's like, oh, season's a bust. And then boom, all of a sudden it's like August, September, October. And um, But the, again, back to your question, you know, the factors. Um, last season, we were, dis we were just in a little more stronger La Nina pattern, which, which um, enables, you know, a little less shear in the atmosphere. And uh, when you don't have shear, it enables thunderstorms to grow upwards. And that's what creates these low pressure spinners. So... That's really the only big, big difference between last year and this year as far as uh, environmental, you know, conditions go. Yep, yep. Well, I know I've, I follow you uh, on Facebook, and I know you've gotten into uh, storm chasing a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that, maybe some of the craziest situations you found yourself in. Well, oh, my goodness. So I don't even know what started this. Um, I, last year we had Laura was a cat, you know, really strong cat four. And I remember watching it. Well, live we, we broadcasted home for five hours seven hours i don't even know how long and i was like i couldn't share any weather chaser stuff anymore because they flag you for copyright even though you might have permission um and i'm like this isn't like fun because <laughs> i you know, people are wanting me to show what's going on you know so the next storm that hit uh, one of our big sponsors is out of houston lodging solutions and, and these guys are great they set up uh, mobile camp tents for thousands of linemen and workers and huge part of storm industry so we actually tied a meeting up to meet these guys and uh it was hurricane delta um and uh, it began i mean we we uh, rode out the eye you know we we, we uh, went to the small town of uh gaden in louisiana and met the uh, uh, local police chief that was fun and you know we stream live so people were like watching us because they evacuated and they're like living it with us. And Hey, that's my street. There's my home. And I guess, oops, I guess the biggest fact or I don't know, surprise for me at, was after the storm passed, we drove around and seeing the power lines on the roads, uh, you know, trees down, uh, flooded, flooded roads that are impassable. 
uh, seeing seeing why it's so important to evacuate. Um, you know, it, it really it was a wake up call. That's why they really want you to stay home or at least evacuate because you know you got power lines laying around and trees everywhere down. Um, it's it, you know it's it's not. It's not fun, you know. I mean, I uh, I saw you know firsthand you know the damages and um, it, it's bad, you know. And then we went up for uh, uh, um, Zeta. I drove up by myself to Biloxi and and um, it, and that was quite an event because of the surge and the the roads. I mean, I, I made a couple of wrong turns on some side roads and we had locals telling us, "Don't go down that road. That road floods." And sure enough, I turned a corner and water's just like waves are coming across the road. And we were a couple of miles from from the shore, and that's how far the surge came up. Um so that was kind of a interesting little, you know, shock uh seeing the surge waters that far north of landfall and uh yeah, so it, it just, you know, and I, I think the most eye-awakening eye experience for, for me was in New York. Uh, we went to New Orleans during New, New Year's. There's supposed to be a big tornado outbreak, and the guy that helps me fill, we had some miles to burn. So we're like, ah, let's go up there for a couple of days. And uh, we ended up driving to um, Lake Charles, and we saw six months later, basically, the damages that were still there. Mm-hmm. And it was just the most eye-opening experience ever is to see the damages, every single road, every single roof, you know, pods, you know, portable storage generators running, just what these folks are living through after a storm. Um, so I think education-wise is my biggest reason now is is bringing, bringing awareness and what's going on after a storm. Because, you know, if you don't live it, like, you know, living in Florida, you always get excited, like, oh, man, I want a hurricane. I don't think you really do. <laughs> when you see these, the damages that these people face, um, it, it changes your outlook real quick. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you know, one of your maybe most famous storm video would be the uh, flip-flop, the famous flip-flop episode. Yes, there's been two now. <laughs> All right, now, you want to, fu- I got a couple of funny, so one of the funniest clips was uh, we were down some road in Louisiana like midnight, and it was a uh, curfew, and I got pulled over by the cops, and it was funny. I'm like, no, I'm going home. We're going back to Florida. And he goes, he goes, what the hell made you decide to go to Florida at midnight in the middle of a hurricane? Because <laughs> he didn't know who I was. You know, he, he sees this random car driving down the road. And I'm like, yeah, we're just going to Florida. He's like, so that was hilarious. And then um, the flip-flop, you know, I was wrapped up in a tornado here at home. Uh, and uh, th- th- true story, you know, um, couldn't find it the flip-flop and ended up a couple hundred yards away by my umbrella that was in a tree. That was the most craziest thing ever. And then the last storm, when I chased Ada, uh, we had Ada come through Key West and then it actually followed me home here. And um, we were, I was walking around our boat ramp where we go and it was three foot underwater and I lost my shoe. And then the next morning I went on this big old adventure to try to find my shoe and there it was way, you know, a couple hundred yards from the shore, just sitting there in a pile of debris. And I was, it was so exciting. <laughs> so that was fun. Great. Well, with that, I think we'll wrap it up. We appreciate you joining us again. Uh, we'll have to make this a tradition as hurricane season gets started every year. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I believe that, you know, things like have a plan, you know, I, I used to not be, so I don't want to sound like a news agency, but I do believe it's very important for folks to have a plan, meaning like, you know, know your evacuation routes, you know, have a plan on hotels, where are you going to go? If you have pets, it's very important, uh, you know, if you have pets, you know, how you're going to deal with those of you evacuate 
And if you have a generator, you know, have a plan with fuel and, and power cords and have battery backups and just be ready. Uh, it's real important because um, a lot of folks wait to the last second and then they're like scrambling, you know, and you don't want to be, you don't want to be out of toilet paper because <laughs> you know what happens when we're out of toilet paper. That happens all the time. But, but, uh, but yeah, you can reach out anytime, you know, on, on the page. I really appreciate it for having me on, guys. I'll, Ever want to do it again? Just let me know. Before we break away, tell our listeners where they can find your uh, find your reports. Uh, just basically, if you Google Mike's weather page, it'll pop up. Um, Facebook is the big one. We have, uh, you know, I post on there a lot. So just if you just type up Mike's, it'll probably pop up. But it's Mike's weather page. I'm on Twitter now and Instagram, and uh, of course the websites. The you know what you can always go to to find the latest and greatest information. But um, I go live in the mornings most days. It's fun. We have a really good crew and. Uh, you know, if you really like weather and hanging out with a bunch of weather groupies, we got we got some good ones. All right. Well, sounds good. Mike, thank you. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. Once again, that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. As always, thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your farmer friends about this podcast. Here's how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. We're currently wrapping up our combined June-July issue of Cotton Grower this week, and it should be hitting your mailboxes within the next few weeks. So please keep an eye open for it. Cotton Companion Podcast comes to you twice monthly is produced by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Stedman. His name's Frank Giles. And we'll be back with you in two weeks with the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all